If you want to understand how marketing is changing and how that will affect your brand, you need Future Proof, the podcast from Kantar that tells you how to find growth. Created in conjunction with Side Business School at Oxford University, the Future Proof podcast provides a unique perspective on what truly makes a difference. To understand what's winning in marketing, subscribe to Future Proof, a Kantar podcast now. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnut, and with me today is Takumbo Ajawa Aluwa, Chief Executive Officer at Career Ready. And we're going to be discussing moving beyond disadvantage. And this episode will be a little bit different from some of the marketing or advertising orientated topics that we typically cover on the podcast. What I'm really looking to find out more about today is Takumbo, your experience and your vision for career ready. There are going to be many listeners out there like me in managerial positions, marketing positions, creative industries, people that are in positions to help young people get into employment in creative industries. And really, I think through discussing your goals and your visions, hopefully we'll be able to provide a little bit of light for some people like me in my position about how we can help do that. To get started, welcome to the podcast. And would you mind taking a moment maybe to introduce yourself and a little bit more about what you do at Career Ready? Thanks, Scott. Yep. Um, my name is Tokumbo Jess Alua, uh, Chief Exec at Career Ready, a national charity, social mobility charity. We've been going 19 years now. And essentially what we do is provide talented young people with career opportunities, experiences, and skills. And how we do that is across the UK, we connect the young people with employers, uh, all shapes and sizes, across a variety of industries and sectors. And the premise behind Career Ready essentially is to unlock access to young talent that many employers find hard to find uh, across the UK. And by doing so, improving the levels of, of positive social mobility found within the UK. And this isn't the first time that you've been involved in this area. This has been a part of your career for a long time now, hasn't it? So I'm kind of interested to know a little bit more about your background. Yeah, um, well, I suppose the, I think the impetus really in this area was um, me having an epiphany. I studied journalism, worked in the trade for about a decade or so. But on a parallel to that, I was always involved in some kind of youth engagement work. And I developed a particular passion for work that focused on youth empowerment and supporting young people to realize their potential. And my epiphany came when I was working with a charity that used journalism skills to help young people tell their own story. Uh, And at that point, 
the work that I was uh, brought in to do was grant funded. And the reality was when a grant came to an end, it was an inconvenient truth that many young people were dropped back where you found them. And that kind of frustrated me. That, that made me think there must be another way. There must be another way of us kind of doing this type of work, a more sustainable way. So I looked around to see what models there were, and there wasn't anything of the ilk that I was looking to do. So I decided to take a leap of faith and set up a social enterprise. And this was back in 2005. And that social enterprise was a training academy for young talent that wanted to work in the media industry, but didn't have an uncle and aunt that was an editor at, say, The Economist or, or The Evening Standard. But they had the talent. They had the raw talent. They just needed that development piece. They needed a bridge into the industry that enabled them to thrive. So that was probably my my first focused experience in, in, in prioritizing young people and their kind of their development in life and them fulfilling their potential. And particularly the, those young people that face a, a number of challenges, societal challenges. So uh, that could be about, you know, where they grew up, um, the family that they're from, the fact that they have limited opportunities in their immediate surroundings. My feeling was that shouldn't limit what they could potentially do tomorrow. So that was the kind of beginning. And, and in essence, it was all inspired by my favorite movie. And one of my favorite movies is an 80s classic called Trading Places. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, starring Dan Aykroyd and, and uh, Eddie Murphy and Jamie Lee Curtis. And um, the premise there was basically two multi-million pound um, investment bankers basically swapped the lives of, of two individuals. And they made a, a wager to see what the outcome would be on doing so. So for me, everything that I've done really has been framed around that Billy Ray Valentine character, an individual that had huge talent, uh, huge capabilities, but just needed that pathway for him to realize his talent and build that self-esteem. So it's one thing having the insight. It's another thing having the education. But then it's a, it's a key component is that self-belief that you believe you're worthy of those opportunities and you believe you're capable of um, holding your own when you've kind of elevated into environments that possibly you may have believed was out of reach. You've been involved in the youth development sector for some time now, and it sounds like your intent remains the same for career ready. But I am interested to know if... Um, maybe how your intent has changed over the years and whether you have any specific goals or missions with Career Ready that will help with some context for this episode. Yeah, I think, um, I think where the ambition has grown is just the, the sheer scale of the ambition. So when I set up my social enterprise, Catch22, I was working with maybe 50 trainees annually and that was within one industry, being the media industry. Whereas when you look at our capabilities at Career Ready, we're working with over 60,000 young people annually across a spectrum of industries and across the UK. So I think for me here, the ambition is about us really reflecting 
the appetite uh, and the aspirations of the young people that we're here to serve. And what I mean by that is ensuring that we have uh, a reflection of all the industries that are out there to support the young people to make an informed decision about their futures. So our philosophy isn't necessarily to kind of uh, recommend one route to live a fulfilling lifestyle. It's more about presenting them with a variety of businesses, industries, sectors, whether it's big business or SMEs, and giving them a real mixture of insights for them to be able to understand and be informed when they're making the decisions for the future. So many of the young people that we support have quite blinkered insights before engaging with us. And that's usually because they're relying on probably three sources of information. And that comes from either their teachers, their parents, family, or their peers. So if you're someone that has a passion for maths, for example, it's highly likely that those three sources are not going to be able to give you the abundance of industries and career paths that an interest and a passion can maths, in maths can lead to. So that's our, our ambition, really. It's really to kind of explode the notion of opportunity for each and every young person that we work with, where they can have a life-changing experience with us, have an aha moment, and then possibly discover a career path that they didn't even know existed before interacting with us. I think it's worth mentioning at this point. So you've been at Career Ready how long now? A year? Just about? Yeah, literally just yeah. just over a year. So I had eight or nine weeks of normality, and then we had a global pandemic. Yeah. So <laughs> it's been a surreal year leading the organization mm-hmm. um, to the point of where a significant proportion of my team I've not met in person, right? Yeah. Um, which which has been a real challenge because I think one of my traits in, in my leadership style is, is building rapports with people and, right. and doing that face-to-face is a m- much easier task and viable task than interacting on, on, on a screen. In line with that and you being there for a year, I mean, it's worth mentioning that one of the reasons I chose the topic of, of moving beyond disadvantage or the title of moving beyond disadvantage is because I saw... I think it was either a, a press release or kind of a word from you when you first joined about moving beyond disadvantage and why this is so important. And yeah. it really helped frame maybe your vision for Career Ready and what you wanted to achieve. So again, we'll get into that a moment, but in a moment. But um, I'm just curious to know, alongside that, were there any other either statements of intent or things that you came into Career Ready and quickly wanted to either change or implement that stood out to you as things that are close to your heart, whether it's terminology or whether it's an approach to allow young people to access employment much easier? Yeah, I think there, there, were, there were a couple of things that, that stood out for me. One of the things that stood out is the young people that have, we have engaged over the years are our biggest asset. And I don't think that we maximize that as an opportunity. So for me, it was a, a real priority for us to develop some kind of engagement offer with our alumni. And that was really reinforced by our 
research paper that we produced last October, which was looking at the legacy impact of being involved with Career Ready. What impact has it had on, on those young people's lives five, 10 years down the line? And that research kind of confirmed for me that we needed to make sure that our alumni and our young people are not just the beneficiaries of our service, but actually part of the fabric all the way through the organization. So consulting with us in regards to our programmatic materials, providing us with uh, lived experience, insight and expertise when it comes to governance. Uh, And at the same time, it's just making sure that they are externally people that we champion and celebrate as much as we can. So that was an area for me that I definitely felt we could do a lot more than what we had done in the past. And another area, although it may seem obvious now, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the case when I first came on board. And that was about how we utilize digital to engage with our community of, of young people that we're here to serve. A significant proportion of young people have access to a smartphone or a tablet, yet the majority of our career-ready experience didn't engage or didn't connect with that. And I thought that was something that was an opportunity missed. So in a way, the pandemic has accelerated our digital development tremendously to the point of where we've executed a number of digital engagements and tools uh, probably eight to 12 months earlier than we had ever imagined we would. So there were two areas for me that were that were real priorities in regards to how can we how can we make sure that we are serving and supporting all of the young people that we work with? Um, and I, I think the third key area in regards to ambition and supporting young people is ensuring that we have the capability of providing a paid internship to every young person aged 15 or 16 and above on our program. And that's not something that we currently have the resource and capacity to do, but it's definitely a key aspiration moving forward. There's definitely a a change in tone in the language that's used on the website, which for me coincides with the things that you're talking about. The, I think it was called career ready at 18 or maybe career something at 18. Um, And I've seen all the video stories of alumni coming through and it was really interesting to see that. And there's some standout people who have had really marked change in their lives and careers. And yeah, undiscovered is a phrase that comes to mind. Undiscovered talent, untapped talent um, is another phrase that comes to mind. And that really, that really changed my mental approach to it too. I think it really helps to frame things that way. And it kind of coincides with one of my next questions, because I've seen the phrase social mobility, and I think you referenced it in the intro there. And there's not really a phrase that I've come across too much. So I'm kind of curious to know what social mobility is for you. Yeah, I think social mobility for me is the the movement of an individual or family or a community within a kind of social structure of opportunity. So it's it's that that capability of an individual being able to live a better quality of life that they from what they may have started out in and that being based on meritocracy in in regards to their talents. So for me, it's that whole premise of there isn't a solid barrier 
that is going to stop that individual from fulfilling their potential based on socioeconomic uh, factors or other social challenges that that individual may face. So for me, positive social mobility is the capability of somebody being able to progress and develop in life where they're able to experience a richer, a more fulfilling definition of life over a period of time. And I think it helps to frame it that way because when I think of when I think of both untapped talent or undiscovered talent, and I think of that in context of social structure, it's easy in my mind to see how social structures don't allow us to find and, and discover some of that talent. Yeah. And so social mobility is really like a the most agile phrasing or approach to help ensure that all people from all walks of life have that ability to discover their talent. And so I feel like that's a key kind of concept that's coming through in, in what you're trying to achieve. There was one other aspect of career ready, which I think is helpful for our listeners to learn about. And again, you touched on it in context of just charities at the beginning there, and it's funding. So I'm interested to know how much you can share about how career ready is funded, because I'm sure, yeah. again, listeners, employers, young people out there will be thinking, well, should I even get involved in this thing? And what's the risk of getting involved? Because what's hap- what happens when funding stops? Yeah, so uh, that, that's a very key point you mentioned, Scott, in regards to our sustainability. And mm. As I mentioned, where we turned nineteen this year, so as a as a sustainability model, we we diversify our income streams. So I'd say a significant proportion, possibly up to fifty percent of our income, is reflected through investment and donations from our employer partners. So we work with a wide spectrum of industries, uh, businesses, all different shapes and sizes, and they'll make an annual contribution to support our operational costs on a, on, on a regular 12-month basis. So that's one area. Uh, another area of income is trust and foundation grant applications. Um, and a third area is local authority kind of public sector contracts that we execute. Um, we also get some individual giving, but it's very much a smaller percentage in regards to the other income models that I've mentioned previously. And in terms of geography, because this is a big part of it as well. So one of my first thoughts when I kind of was looking at social mobility, I was thinking, well, there are, of course, going to be some areas in the UK where social mobility is more difficult than in other areas. So how do you decide where to focus your attention geographically across the UK? Yeah, so we we use research and data to give us an, an understanding of which regions across the UK have the highest level of, of deprivation. Uh, and we use a number of other indicators as well to kind of supplement our, our thinking. But effectively, we prioritise areas that have the highest need for us. But at the same time, it, we've got to make it viable. So for us, it's it's one thing identifying a region across the UK that has a significant need, but we've also got to be able to feel we have the capability of engaging, uh, motivating and inspiring the business community in that area to connect with us. Because without that connection, 
um, it's very hard for us to be able to execute our offer to the young people as well as the the businesses that work with us. So sometimes it is a bit of a kind of matchmaking process of us focusing on areas where it's not just focused on the need, but it's focused on the viability of us executing the offer that we, we, we provide across the country. And I kind of want to segue into then how people access career ready. So breaking yep. down both for young people and also for employers. And I, I think maybe just a starting point is just a reiteration of the, I'm going to call them services or solutions that career ready offers. So first is access to internships or apprenticeships to employers uh, for young people. You also have masterclasses. Am I right in saying that young people don't necessarily have to be on an internship or apprenticeship to access those masterclasses? Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, that is correct. I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you an overview. So, yeah, um, helpful. Yeah. We, yeah, we we effectively work with young people uh, as young as eleven, um, and then going up to the age of eighteen. Uh, and a new development is is providing support for our alumni. So that's that's post eighteen. So um, our offer kind of breaks down into three kind of segments. You've got career starter, which uh, reflects tutorials and assemblies uh, around the world of work and, and careers. Then you're moving on to our next program, which probably focuses on young people when they're aged 13 to 15 uh, and that's focused on masterclasses. So those masterclasses, the magic behind those masterclasses is it's employee volunteers from the businesses that we partner with that will come into those schools and deliver those masterclasses. So for the young people, it's a really cherished opportunity because they're hearing from the horse's mouth what that reality is like in an industry or a career role that they may not have known before. And they're getting that live and direct within their school. I mean, obviously within COVID circumstances, we'll be doing a lot of that um, using digital tools uh, and digital platforms. But yeah, effectively the masterclasses uh, and the workplace visits is another component for the second part of our program, which is called Career Builder. So Career Ready is, is, the, is where it all comes together. And that's when you're age 15 or 16, depending on what part of the UK you're in, um, you'll get access to masterclasses, you'll get access to a mentor, you'll get access to the workplace visits, and you'll also get access to the paid internships. So the paid internships are provided by our community of employer supporters, and they can last anything between four to six weeks. They generally take place within the summer holidays, but we've also been exploring uh, virtual work placements that have taken place at different times of the year as well. But effectively, that's, that's the entire career-ready offer. And the older the young person gets, the more bespoke the offering becomes, and it becomes a lot more tailored from an awareness piece to actually deep formed information that helps you make those informed decisions about what you want to do for with the rest of your life. Just breaking some of that down a little bit. So let's say I'm, let's start with employers. So let's say I'm an employer that's just heard that and I'm interested to know how to get started. So 
you know, maybe I, I know that there's an opportunity for me to provide an internship or apprenticeship, or I know there's an opportunity for me to provide a masterclass. Where's the best place to start? What criteria maybe is in place? What do you look for? Well, what we look for actually is businesses that are have an appetite for exploring how they can access new talent. So for us, it's very much understanding where they are as an organization. What are their objectives when it comes to talent, talent development, and how they want to connect possibly with their local communities and really understanding where they are in their journey. And then being able to create a bespoke offering that actually reflects their objectives and aspirations. So it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all. We very much tailor the engagement to something that is viable for that business uh, and at the same time uh, rewarding uh, and sustainable over time. So for us, you may find a business that is really interested in engaging their staff in a volunteering opportunity and they want to find a way of connecting with young undiscovered talent in their local area. So they may start with us with with a mentoring offer and then evolve onto providing some paid internships. And the volunteering offer could be a variety of things. It could be a mentoring relationship with with a young person, or it could be a one-off masterclass host that goes into schools and, and talks about their career and talks about the key decisions they made in their life that led to where they are today. Or even talking about what passions what subjects they were passionate about in school and how what they do today relates to that. So it's a a real mixed approach in regards to how we work with different organisations and businesses. And we try and tailor it to, to, to fit the aspirations of each business that we partner with. So the real message there is, you know, perhaps you're sitting there thinking, you're not sure how much you can commit to or what areas you can commit to, but just get in contact because you're able to tailor some of that and talk through that to see if they're a viable fit. And it's it sounds like your solution for employers is actually pretty scalable. Definitely. Yeah. Because for us, so, I mean, we're one fairly small charity across the UK. We are not going to solve the social mobility challenge on our own. So it's really important that we partner with like-minded organizations and making sure that they reflect all of society. So in some parts of the country, you're not going to find a huge insurance company with their headquarters based there, but you'll definitely find hundreds, if not thousands of SMEs. And for us, it's making sure that we are connecting with all types of employers. So young people can understand and create their own definition of what success looks like in life. You know, not everyone wants to work for a commercial bank. And I, and I think it's important for us to have opportunities that reflect the spectrum of, of appetites and interest of, of young people and also the businesses that we aim to support. I want to cover the same kind of question, but for, for young people and also for mentors. So again, if I'm, how can young people access Career Ready? Do they have yeah. to do it through an education establishment like a school or a college, or can they just do that off their own back? What are some ways in which they can access career ready? Yeah, for young people, we, we our offer is, is connected to an education institution. So either a school or a college mm-hmm. um, within a particular area that has been identified as 
um, high need. That is where we'll we'll frame our offer. We are exploring, uh, currently piloting and exploring ideas of offering our program outside of the framework of, of traditional education institutes. But we're very early, at a very early stage in that journey. So, yeah, a, a young person at the moment can only really access our program if they go to a particular school or college that has been identified as uh, an institution that's based in the area that reflects that high need. In regards to mentoring, a professional could approach us as an individual and say, I'd love to volunteer with your organization. And that could be based on their lived experience of, of coming from a similar background or just having an appetite to wanting to support the next generation. And that's perfectly fine. We'll give them, you know, the menu of different ways in which they can support the charity as a volunteer, and they'll make that decision from there. Alternatively, a large number of our volunteers come from the businesses that we partner with. So that's another way of being able to connect with us, being able to express your interest in in working with a charity like us to your employer and then feeding it through to the database of volunteers that they present to us each year. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I want to move on, but also go back to this point about disadvantage and being disadvantaged. Yeah. And it, it really stood out. I was reading through your message when you joined Career Ready and I was reading through the website and I hadn't really thought about it in this way. So this is both a, a kind of thank you and praise to you and your team for, for this vision because I sat there and thought, well, yeah, it's right. I, I've kind of fallen into that trap of, you know, probably using the word disadvantage or thinking of people as disadvantaged myself based on their where a geographical position or like you yeah. said, socioeconomic position. And it breeds that 
it breeds like a somber or negative narrative. Yeah. And without knowing it, a bias in your mind about what's achievable from people in yeah. these positions. And so it really helped me to think through that and think, and, and I understood the angle that you were coming from in terms of why we need to reframe that and actually look at uh, the people that are in these positions as having undiscovered talent. So I really like that. But I'm interested to know where that vision comes from for you. You talked a little bit at the beginning of this episode about your inspiration, but is there data, is there research that talks about the importance of not labeling not providing these negative labels that you've seen that you'd like to refer to, things that you often come back to as well? Yeah, so I, I suppose, you know, that that kind of philosophy comes from a number of sources. And, and, and I think it's, you know, through my professional experience, mm. um, through my lived experience, and then through research data that we've conducted within the charity. So we've actually engaged with our community of alumni and asked them about, how do they feel about these labels? Um, and it was the the response that we got from from that data insight is they didn't feel it was empowering, and they didn't feel that it reflected who they are now. So there is not a denial that it was a truth, but I think the issue that these uh, young adults expressed to us is it's not the only truth. And there was a lot more to them than that one component or one experience, which um, may have been something in the past now, rather than reflecting who they are today. So, you know, for us, we felt we had a decision to make. And it was about being brave as an organization. Because within our world of charities, that language is strong currency. That language is used, um, it's very popular within the world of funding and funding applications. Right. Um, and it's just understood. It's, it's embedded yeah. within the fabric of, of charity world. So we knew that we were going against the grain by um, concluding our use of, of that word. And we made a decision from that point that all of the language that we'll be using moving forward, uh, reflecting the young people that we work with and serve, is either empowering or neutral. Because the reality is they would have experienced uh, a plethora of challenges um, in life. It made no logical sense to us to then badge them with something that they interpret as negative if our whole purpose is to support them to thrive in society. Um, and, these, and these are really talented, uh, ambitious young adults. You know, the, the reality that we've seen as a charity is talent can be found all over the UK. The, the, the challenge is opportunity isn't, isn't equally available across the UK. So we're talking about a community of young people that are probably some of the most resilient individuals of their generation. Because not only are they able to be focused and dedicated enough to pursue their goals, they're overcoming some huge challenges, some huge hurdles at very young ages in their life, um, where they've had to kind of present and display a level of maturity, emotional intelligence, and, and, and focus 
to to do that. So for me, I think we should be celebrating the assets they have rather than pigeonholing them as either a pity cause or an afterthought. That they are they they really are, I believe they really are a source of untapped assets that society, industry could be benefiting from rather than excluding or ignoring. I think about this in in context of the young people. So I think that, like you said, the, the changing of the the change or emphasis on the change in phrasing and not using that phrasing is really important to uplift the young people that you're talking about. It stands out to me as well is that it really helps change the mindset of the people that are working with the young people, so the employers and the mentors too. Because if you were to go to an employer and say, we have access to this region of or this selection or this pool of disadvantaged uh, young people. Well, actually, that already sets that reinforces that negative stereotype from the start. And it kind of puts in the employer's mind or the mentor's mind, this negative train of thought in that there's already something there that you have to overcome. Whereas if you yeah. change that, you just change that terminology and you talk and you place all of the emphasis on just maximizing the undiscovered talent of that person. Well, you you have something so much better to mold and to work with, and it's just a much more positive approach. And when I looked at that terminology and I was looking through the website and all of the content, that really stood out to me too. And actually, just on a similar note, before we move on to, I wanted to do a little bit of myth-busting around that. So some of the common maybe obstacles that come up for young people, Mm -hmm. mentors, and employers on that note. But before I go into that, I did want to go into this other area and understand whether there are any particular sectors or industries where you don't see the talent match the accessibility. So are there areas where you see lots of undiscovered talent, but there's just not that industry access for it? Well, I think uh, for us, where our research has, has shown is the areas where you've got significant skills gap. Um, and that is about exposure to for young people. So when I think about industries around engineering and science, those kind of STEM sectors, that's an area for us that is is real a real growth potential for us. So that's that's an area where we have the talent that aspires to work in that industry. And our aspiration is to kind of broaden the spectrum of industry players that we're working with to satisfy the appetite. So that's an area that over recent years, we we recently was running a STEM program that was really successful. Uh, and for us, it's about how do we grow the engagement of businesses within the STEM sectors and, and be able to kind of match them with the abundance of, of young people that have a keen interest to pursue a career in that region. I'd like to go into that area of myth busting for employers mm-hmm. and mentors and just maybe a few rapid fire questions to eliminate some of the doubts that might be in the minds of potential employers or mentors that are listening. So feel free to keep your answers brief if you need to. The first one is how much does it cost? So as an employer there, thinking that they might like to offer an internship or apprenticeship, how much might that cost? An internship, it really, it probably varies depending on where you are in the country. Um, we recommend uh, a living wage uh, minimum 
but sometimes that might not be viable. So obviously we'll work with, um, you know, minimum wage basis. So I think for the period of time that we're talking about, you're talking about anything between a thousand pounds to two thousand pounds to host an intern. And that's for kind of a four to six week period. Correct. Brilliant. And do employers have to offer a guaranteed work placement for an intern or apprentice at the end of the program? No, they don't. Not not at all. I, I mean, a significant number of our young people, when they complete the program, move on to some form of higher or further education or training. So there isn't, uh, it's a desire that our partners end up employing our alumni, but it's not an expectation at, at that point. Uh, and on the mentor front, if you're a mentor and thinking about how much time you might need to invest, how much do you recommend your mentors invest? Like what's maybe the minimum and maximum that you see from your mentors at the moment? We recommend an hour a month uh, as, as, a, as a quality um, engagement offer. And that's based on you mentoring. But if you're just focused on being a masterclass host, it could be one hour or a quarter, depending on what your appetite is to deliver the volume of masterclasses. And this next question is also from that mental angle. And this is one that came up myself, and I'm curious myself, is am I skilled enough to help? So I don't really know. I guess this helps to think of the criteria that look, you look for in a mentor, but you have to have certain certifications, accreditations. How does that work out? Yeah, not, not at all. And this is, this is a really popular question. So for us, it's about your lived experience and your professional experience and you just sharing what you do, what decisions, key decisions you've made in your life that has led to the career path that you have. And it's the young people being able to feed off that. So there isn't any vocational course or accreditation that you that is required to be a mentor. We're looking for mentors who are professionals, who have an interest, an appetite, a passion for supporting the next generation. That's the criteria. And right now, as we talk today, and I guess for the foreseeable future, is all of your work happening online uh, as opposed to offline? How's, how's that looking? Yeah, the majority of our offer um, to young people is taking place online. And, and that's been the case for the, the majority of the last 12 months. However, we are starting to see some schools and colleges uh, opening up and having some face-to-face engagement. But yeah, it's obviously we're, we're at that point now of hopefully we're on the home straight of, of the pandemic. So I think next academic year, there'll probably be a mixture of face-to-face engagement and uh, a digital offer as well. And so we covered there for, for employers, you know, maybe cost obstacles, time obstacles, guarantees for placements at the end. But I'm curious to know from your perspective, if there's anything that you see that really frustrates you, that you know can be overcome very easily, but maybe is a misconception from employers. That's an interesting question. Um, I think it's the the idea that the offer is rigid. Mm. I think it's, I think for us, it's just trying to be able to relay to businesses and employers that we are we have a very flexible model in regards to engagement and our objective is actually to help you as an employer fulfill your business objectives 
So I think the one thing that I would say is we definitely encourage conversations and it's definitely not a one size fits all. So if there is any anxiety around, you know, I'm an SME based in this this part of the UK and I don't know if we've got enough capacity or I don't know if we've got enough resource to satisfy working with career ready, I would say have a conversation first because um, uh, our appetite is to work with as many business partners who have the attitude and, and enthusiasm to support that next generation uh, and tap into the, the undiscovered talent that we, we support. So I think that's, that's the key area is, is not to make that assumption that because of who you are or what size you are, that may prohibit you from having a rich You've talked about how career really helps in this access or improvement to social mobility. And I remember reading, I think it was in the Career Ready 18 study or report about how you're approaching that locally. And you talked a little bit about that in this episode, how you think this is a very, is a, you can solve this problem through localized targeting and initiatives and how it could be difficult for SMEs to engage in these types of programs based on, based on their cost obstacles even though it is low cost. So I'm just more interested longer term. Career Ready is one solution to a social mobility problem. But what are some other longer term issues that you need to be solved? And are they solved locally? So is social mobility a problem that you think needs to be approached locally within the UK? Mm, yeah, this is a massive question, Scott. Um, <laughs> oh, <no>. So <laughs> I think I think effectively, if, if, I, if I'm really honest, and, and there are there are some examples of this, but it's stronger alliances because there there isn't any one entity that has a solution on its own. And I think that's probably one of the bits about Career Ready that I love the most is we are basically that conduit between the world of education and the world of work. If we were just to try and deliver a quality career program without partnerships on both sides, it would fall down with immediate effects. So for me, alliances are critical. Uh, And we're part of one called um, the Youth Employment Group, which was formed just after the the pandemic started. And it was, it's a number of organizations that have an interest in youth employment, working together, uh, sharing best practice, supporting the voice to be more powerful when it comes to policy influence as well as representing what strong partnerships and alliances can achieve together. Um, So for me, I think it's not about working in silos. It's about us being savvy and efficient with resource. And I'll give you a tangible example of what I mean. Government have two massive programs at the moment, the Kickstart Scheme, which supports young people aged 18 who are currently on universal credit, And then you've got the apprenticeship program uh, and the apprenticeship levy. Now, they're two significant programs which have multi-million pound investment in, but they're not connected. So for me, it's about how do we align all of these great uh, opportunities to increase social mobility in the UK rather than them working in silos? And I think that's probably an area that, we can all look at and see how we can be better aligned and work to support each other 
rather than working in silos, which I don't think is efficient. And it's definitely not working smart. Thanks. I think that's an excellent way to close out this episode. So on that note, do you want to let our listeners know where they can find out more about you and Career Ready? Yep. Best place to go is, is our website, careerready.org.uk. If you're interested in myself, I'm, I'm on um, Twitter, Toxy Tweets. And yeah, that's, that's, that's the best place to get in touch. Brilliant. Thanks so much for your time today, Takumbo. Like I said to our listeners, this has been a very different episode to maybe what you're used to. But hopefully we were able to shine a little bit of light and maybe think differently about some of those younger people who have different social economic statuses and backgrounds and how we can help support, get them into employment and really boost their careers and livelihoods. You know, in marketing, we've got this opportunity to use our phrasing carefully to uplift young people from different backgrounds. And so, um, yeah, I encourage you all to do that and think carefully about the phrasing that you use and support this mission that uh, Tukumbo shared today and that Career Ready are on. So thanks again for that time to uh, today, Tukumbo. Appreciate it, Scott. Thank you. Brilliant. Take care. This has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. If you want to understand how marketing is changing and how that will affect your brand, you need Future Proof, the podcast from Kantar that tells you how to find growth. Created in conjunction with Side Business School at Oxford University, the Future Proof podcast provides a unique perspective on what truly makes a difference. To understand what's winning in marketing, subscribe to Future Proof, a Kantar podcast now. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.